4: Moplay.
5: Follow, follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah.
6: This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VCN.
3: Hey hey. We made it. We are here. What a night in Las Vegas. As a champion was crowned. Stanley Cup winners, the Vegas Golden Knights. Mitch Moss, Paulie Howard is back after a couple of days on the shelf. We are live in downtown Las Vegas from the Circa Resort and Casino. What do we have uh, working on this show? I think we have uh, six guys behind the glass, so eight total. I think we are maybe eight of right around 200 people, maybe in the entire city that won't call in sick today to work or are not still drinking from last night and the celebration. And uh, you're taking in the game last night and watching all the coverage out by T-Mobile Arena, right there on the Las Vegas Strip. Just thousands upon thousands of people that were uh, ready to rock and roll all night long, and evidently so are the Golden Knights. We have a gentleman here who has been part of the management team and started v many, many years ago, Bill 80, who I ran into a half an hour ago. He was just leaving to go home. Well, he said that uh, they were at Omnia, which is a very popular nightclub at Caesars on the Strip last night. And not that long ago, hour two, whatever it was, the Golden Knights pretty much, they, they showed up. The cup was there. The entire team was there. So I, if, I, if I'm a casino, if I'm a club, if I'm a restaurant in and around that area, stay open the whole night. Don't, don't, do not, you can't shut your doors at midnight last night. Derek Stevens had a plan here at Circa. They were keeping berries, the popular steakhouse, and a Legacy Club, which is up on the 36th floor, they were keeping both spots open all night last night. In the chance that the Golden Knights will actually come down here and party. And there you go. They're at Omnia last night. This is not that
1: long ago, folks. <laughs> and all the players showed up. And. Look at Stevens. My God, he was fired up from the get go, oh, yeah, pounding on the glass. I'm like, there's no action in front of you. Why are you going so there crazy? They're up by six goals, and he's yeah. pounding on the glass the whole game. Yeah, now we got to see what the bar tab's going to be. Yeah, okay, so here's the question, Paul. Yeah.
3: And I talked about this with uh, my wife last night a lot during the game. And she, when in her early mid twenties, she lived at casinos and went to clubs five nights a week. We had the conversation, and we've show we we put that ticket up here on the show before when the Boston Bruins win the Cup. What was it, 2011? That, oh yeah, here that, it is. That tab came to 156 thousand dollars of drinking that night. Yep. Yeah. So we had the conversation last night, like wherever the Golden Knights go, which happens to be Omnia, are they going to, will somebody have to pick up a bill or will Caesars, Omnia, will they say, guys, it's on us. It's that's the way Las Vegas operates a lot.
1: Yeah. It's great exposure too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Imagine what the tip's going to be as well. Uh, What, what Cuban did in Miami when the Mavs won it, Uh, how much, how much he spent. So uh, the Bruins did some serious damage that, that night. And we'll see what they, I, I can't believe how late the party started, that they're just getting to the club. I'm disappointed. I thought we'd come in here, we'd get the cup, we'd have Derek Stevens ready to go, coming in hot. Private plane Wayne's here. We got to get him in studio, tell the pussycat doll story, where Derek won so much money they ran out of chips. So, uh, the, yeah, who knows what you're walking into here. Get get some guys coming in, get the cup coming live. This could be phenomenal. Yeah, what did they do after the game before going to Omnia not that long ago? Yeah, I don't know. Do they have a big sit-down dinner? Yes, I know. That's not how you're you're going to celebrate. Yeah, I know. Game's over. Now, how about the the, the scene outside and and what happened? uh, It was so loud in the the building, as Fitz said. Our buddy Fitz got in. The get-in price was $2,000, $2,500. Look, they're going crazy here at Circa spraying the champagne. It's $800 just to stand in the lot? There was another thing. The tickets were going for $800 just to stand mm-hmm. and hang out, too. So what a scene. And get ready for the parade as we're going to have to go through all this construction in town, which will be which will be a mess. But look at the bartenders here having a great time. This is phenomenal. Yeah, there's a lot of great reaction from last night. And uh, some of
3: the tweets that were coming out, I think it was Sportsnet mm-hmm. who tweeted this out. There was a, uh, a photo that was making the rounds of a guy. Yeah, it is Sportsnet here and as they put patience as a virtue and he's in his red golden knights jersey and then he's holding up a sign that says we've been waiting 6 long years for this clearly the guy is having fun and he's being sarcastic i think a lot of people were like and and again like in major hockey cities and we're on in some of those you know toronto this morning pittsburgh chicago boston all over the place y- you have to understand this guy's having fun with it again and he's joking around but the comments were like They wanted to kill the guy. Um, I would say take it easy a little bit on that. Oh, come on. You know the guy's joking. Of course course he's not being serious. And I will remind people, and we talked about this a couple of weeks back, like in some of those markets, if you actually don't mind this team or if you hate them because of their success in six years and Bill Foley... Uh, I mean, when when the franchise was introduced, we'll win a cup in six years. Well, they did that in exactly yeah. six years. Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of clamored to this team. Paul, if you go back, it's going to be six years ago this October when you and I were driving into the studio at the South Point on a Monday morning. We'll try, we're still trying to figure out what happened the night before and put the pieces together. The franchise's first game started the week after the massacre at the Mandalay Bay. And we're, we're, we're on the air at 4 o'clock here local time. We're like, our phones are going nuts. Like, wait, there was a shooting. Is everybody okay? We had no idea that 58 people died and I, there was a madman shooting into a concert area. When we were on the, we were picking, you know, we mm-hmm. were learning more of that story throughout the day on Monday morning. And then they had to skate and they won a game like, what was it, 72, 96 hours after that? And I think because of that and that run they went on that year as an expansion team to make it all the way to the cup, like, and these, these are hockey fans that we're talking about. It's not you know, animals who go to football games and they want to get into a brawl wherever they're watching. So they there was a lot of respect there. and I think people remember that and it was like what the city had to go through. And so uh, that's why there's not a lot of this angst about the team. Like, I can't believe they won it in six years. This sucks. My team, as I heard somebody put it here locally yesterday, one of the proudest organizations in sports celebrated their first, first round playoff win in 19 years. This city won a cup in its first six years ever being around.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's So incredible. you get it, I mean. Yeah, incredible organization. He also, other organizations can learn from them that they they were aggressive and they went for it every year. Now, what happened in year one was uh, probably never happened again, what they're able to do, uh, that you you come into existence in this expansion team and you almost win the damn thing. But uh, they were born here. Uh, Steve Levy had a great point about it's not like the Raiders who up and left and, and moved here. Uh, the shooting, as you mentioned as well, brought the community together and tightened it. Uh, you have the misfits and what happened with Marsha show and, and what Cassidy did starting awesome the story. five guys. Uh, but it, it's they went for it every year, and they mortgaged the future. And they said, you know, they were a lot of close calls to go to the conference finals four out of the six years, and uh, you lose to Washington and five in your first year. It's uh, unprecedented what they've been able to do. So this is a, a great organization. The, hey, other people could have had Eichel. You know, he was available. Mm-hmm. They went out and they got Eichel. They got Stone. They made a lot of great moves. They've they run a fifth-string goalie. They did it in year one. They did it this year. Next guy up. And then they were much the best in this series. I mean, they should have swept them. Barbashev, uh, if he didn't hit the crossbar up 2-1, they would have swept them. And then it was a great story with Florida, but it was just a war of attrition. Oh, yeah. Eckblad broke his foot and had a torn oblique. He broke his foot in the Boston series, they said. Kachuk had a fractured sternum. He couldn't get dressed. He needed help tying his skates. <laughs> so, And then you, they come out and they just pound you. Most goals in, in a clincher since 1991. Well, w- What they did, and they just bury them 9-3, to three, and then Stone has the hat trick. And, and you could see it coming specifically in that second period.
3: Yeah. Where it, it doesn't matter. Bob Rofsky could have been, you know, Martin Brodeur in the game last night. It was not going to matter. Like, he had no chance. That second period was going to get out of control. It was only a matter of when, not if. Because they they were putting... That was like a full-court press in basketball where the team kept turning it over and they couldn't get it past half-court last night. They were in the Florida side. They were in their zone the entire time and they were just getting opportunity after opportunity. And at some point, as I tweeted out, the dam was going to break. And it did. And it just kept going on and on and on and on. And everybody was getting goals last night. Uh, the USA Today, in the summer of 2016... Five reasons the NHL expansion to Las Vegas is doomed to fail. Now, it certainly helps that they got off. I mean,
1: nobody was going to predict that. I mean, what was their point total in year one? Oh, yeah. Mid-60s? Oh, Oh, that was a massacre for the books. They got absolutely destroyed. Oh, yeah. There was a casino giving out future tickets for like a $5 future bet uh, to to locals if you signed up for a player's card. Little did they know, my God, they went to the Stanley Cup Uh and could have won the damn thing. I didn't think it would work here. Lose some, me. I I thought they would be so bad in the first couple years and then people would tune out and say, okay, well, that's it. This is going to take five years before the team's at least playoff contention and and halfway decent. And I was concerned we need an NBA team first, not a hockey team, because this could ruin it for an NBA team down the road. And I know you you tweeted about it too. Our guy Brian Blessing, I I, I mean, he was was a big reason. He was pushing for hockey and was adamant it was going to work here. I thought the organization should have hired him. May he rest in peace. But he thought this, he was adamant. He goes, this will work here. Hockey in Vegas will be a home run. And he nailed it. Yeah, he's from Buffalo. Huge Sabres guy. This is why, I mean,
3: to have Eichel do what he did. And he was almost the winner of the con Smythe last night. In fact, they were talking about that in the second intermission. The whole, the guys in the panel on TNT and Gretzky's making the case. He's like, now remember, this is not just in the cup final. This is the, all of the playoffs. And they all basically said Eichel should win the award. Then later on in the game, I think it was uh, Eddie O., and uh, Kenny Albert, yeah. who are basically saying the same exact thing. I thought he yeah, Jonesy said Michael.
1: Yeah, Jonesy. Jones. Yeah, yeah. Eddie O did a great job talking about how big of a favorite Marsha Show was too. He did. In he did. Yeah, and he kept saying that yeah. uh,
3: Eddie kept bringing up how it was probably not going to be a good result for many many sports books in Las Vegas last night, and they got bar- just like their expansion year. Yeah, they got buried again on this last night. Most of them did anyway. Uh, specifically here at Circa, they got and when Mike Palm was filling in for you yesterday, he explained why. No, Derek, Derek, Derek wants this to happen. Because Derek, again, with the sponsorship, they have that Circa logo on the jerseys when they play at home. And now that's going to be in the shots that you're going to see forever. That's what he was hoping for. And they took, by the way, Eddie O on this show, came in studio before game one. He said nights and five. So more of a recap from last night from a betting perspective. Uh, Stone's price on first goal overall. Ekblad anytime. And it's sad it's over because this prop was so hot.
4: Play.
1: This is Follow the Money on vSen. Become a smarter sports better with a vSen Pro subscription for a limited time. Sign up for just $9.99. Get full access to everything we do the daily pro picks on all the action. NFL Guide coming out soon. 24 7 video access and the pro tools. Don't miss out. Lowest intro price of the year vsincom slash subscribe to sign up today
3: okay time to hit today's major league baseball betting card josh applebaum joins the program Vsin betting analyst his two podcasts are called market insights and morning bets you can get them both wherever you listen to your podcast josh good morning let's begin with uh game number two here of the subway series it was not pretty last night for max scherzer boy this could be the end of the road for him and now Justin Verlander, 40 years old, goes tonight for the Mets. Basically, I'm looking at a pick'em. the way it appears across the board. Uh, what's your breakdown here between Cole and Verlander tonight?
2: Yeah, Mitch and Pauly, good morning. It's great to be with you. So you hit the nail on the head. The Mets have really, really struggled here. You have a huge payroll, made a bunch of big offseason additions. They are actually 1-9 in nine their last 10. Uh, they've lost Pete Alonso. To me, it's a time to bet against the New York Mets. And I'm going to go with the Yankees here once again. You know, we actually saw the line go away from the Yankees last night. There's actually a lot of respect in the market for the Mets. Didn't matter. The Yankees won seven to six as a plus one hundred and forty road dog. So to me, guys, there's a couple reasons to like the Yankees today. Number one. You mentioned it here, Mitch. It's a pick 'em game, but it actually opened a slight favorite with the Mets here. I saw some openers, Mets minus 120, Mets minus 115. So now that we're down to a pick 'em, that tells me that the big respected money across the market is taking the Yankees in this spot. Again, moving the Yankees from a little plus money, plus 105, plus 100, now trending toward a pick 'em. And I think. You know, it's early in the morning right now, but if you give it a few hours, you wait too long here. You might start to see this flip completely from a dog to a favorite in favor of the Yankees. So if you like the Yankees, you probably want to jump on them right now. Garrett Cole, 7-1, 2.84 ERA. You really never get Cole at a number like this. So there's a lot of value in just backing Cole in such a pick, a low pick on price. The Yankees are 11-3 in Cole's 14 uh, last 14 starts. Verlander, meanwhile, you mentioned it, really hasn't gotten any traction here. The Mets are just 2-5. and and in, in the seven starts that he's made this season uh, currently 71% of bets, but 91% of the money using our VEASAN.com, uh bets. splits coming directly from DraftKings, are going Yankees here. So public just saying, Hey, ride the Yankees bet against the Mets. Whereas wise guys looks like said, Hey, when this was a little bit of plus money, pick them number, a lot of value to back New York. A couple good system matches here, guys. One, if you're an American League East team facing a non-American League East team. Very simple here, but American League East, best division in baseball. Almost every team is above 500, except the Red Sox, of course. But they're 144 and 86 outside the division. 63% win rate, 10% ROI. Also, if you're an interleague road team off a win, 88 and 70 this year, 56% uh, with a 16% ROI. And shout out to our colleague, Steve Mackinan. One of my favorite articles that I read each day is his bullpen rating system. Mm-hmm. I look for huge discrepancies. Mitch and Paul, you know this. But according to Steve in uh, the way he power ranks these bullpens, uh, you actually have a plus 22 for the Yankees and a minus one for the Mets. That's a huge advantage at, in the pen. To me, it's a good number to back Cole at a very cheap price. I'm on the Yankees here, guys, around even money.
1: Okay, on the Diamondbacks, Kelly's been great. He's won six of his last seven starts. They've been on a phenomenal run. It didn't work out for him last night. What do you think of uh, Kelly and the Diamondbacks
2: about a dollar twenty-five today? So I'm going to buy low here on Arizona, Paulie. And you mentioned it yesterday. We saw the Phillies absolutely hammer the ball. They won fifteen to three as a minus one thirty road favorite. Here's a little angle angle for you. If you are off a blowout loss of ten, of oh, sorry, uh, twelve runs or more, you come back the next day and you're a home favorite. Those teams are 91 and 46, 66% with a 15% ROI since 2007. So on the one hand, it's like, how do you not take Philly with some plus money today after they you know, obviously obliterated the pitching staff of Arizona yesterday? But what's the market telling us? Not just that system match buying low off a blowout loss, but you're seeing the line move in favor of the Snakes here. They open around minus 125. You're up to minus 135. Some books even a little higher. closer are inching up toward minus 140. Pretty good bet split here too. Uh, only 65% of bets but almost 80% of the money is going with Arizona. So kind of a slight public support, but also a lot of big money moving this number in favor of Arizona. Uh, Also, if you look at non-division home favorites, getting steam, five cents or more. So you don't have to worry about a divisional dog angle. You're at home, you have the crowd. Uh, This angle here uh, is 146 and 85, 63% this season. And then also Arizona in particular, they've been really resilient off a loss. When they lose, they come back the next day. They're 16 and nine this year, 64%. Uh, And you mentioned it here, uh, Pauly, Kelly's a guy who's pitched great. Uh, if you look at uh, how he's uh, performed here this year, uh, they've really done well when he's on the mound. Arizona 7-1 the last eight uh, Kelly starts. And again, another Steve Mackin and bullpen advantage here. Arizona's a plus six. You have a minus five with Philly. So off, after a huge loss, I like the snakes to bounce back, guys. They got Arizona at minus 135. Uh,
3: one more game here. Follow the money on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And uh, v betting analyst Josh Applebaum is our guest Let's go Padres here against the Guardians. You know, when you look at it, the Padres should be on a five-game winning streak. Snell was awesome, again, in his last start against Colorado on the road over the weekend, but the bullpen blew that game, so they've won four out of five. They're quietly warming up. They're two and a half out of the last wildcard spot in the National League. Now today, Michael Waka is taking money uh, uh, as he gets the start today. This number has moved, what, around 15 cents so far today? Are you on the Padres?
2: You're exactly right here, Mitch. So you said the key words, taking money here with San Diego. They open as low as, you know, minus 140-ish. I saw minus 135. Now they're up to minus 145, minus 150. So we're seeing pretty good steam in favor of the Padres here. A home favorite off a win, getting steam five cents or more. So you're at home, you have the crowd behind you. You're off a win, you have some momentum. You have the last at bat and the market's moving in your favor. Those teams are 109 and 53 this year, 67%, 9% ROI. Uh, You also have some other uh, advantages here toward the Padres. One would be an interleague favorite, kind of that lack of familiarity, benefiting, quote-unquote, the better team based upon the favorite designation. Also a favorite with a low total. Total in this game is eight. It's actually really juiced up under. If you like the under, you probably want to grab it now. Really juiced up like it may get down to seven and a half. Uh, but Waka's been great. Uh, one earned run or less in five of his last seven starts. And I think, Mitch, you mentioned it too. Like This is a team that we've been waiting and waiting for all their big guns to get you know healthy at the right time. And you actually have seen it finally over the last few games. They're rolling out. Their first four hitters, Tatis, Soto, Machado, Bogarts, they've been waiting forever to see all these guys in the lineup at the same time. They're taking in some money today. To me, me, this is an opportunity to back San Diego, maybe before they start to really get hot and become a public darling, like the San Diego Padres today around minus 150.
3: All right, you can get Josh's two podcasts. Again, they're called Market uh, Insights and Morning Bets wherever you listen. Download and subscribe to your podcast. Josh, thanks for the time today. We appreciate that. Good luck. Thanks, guys. You too. I, I got to be honest. I mean, I don't know how the market opened up the Yankees as a dog. Yeah. Maybe they don't win the game. I, again, it doesn't, the results could be, you can come back and say, Hey dummy, that was a nice call. The Mets won the game. That's not the point. Garrett Cole should not be an underdog against Justin Verlander. I mm-hmm. don't care where the game is at. It's in that, that doesn't make, and I know the Yankees lineup right now is not great. Having said that they got, is it, is it over here? Are we looking at the end of the road for Max Scherzer? I'm
1: alarmed. Should be. There's a big reason why they're under 500 is Scherzer and Verlander, but, uh... Uh, he, they boot him off the field again last night. Yeah, I mean, they gave him all that run support, and it didn't matter. And but now it's playoffs. Can you get to 500 as they've lost 9-10? to 10? So I'm with you on that one. And then how many people have been using the Martingale system, and they're getting buried here with the A's? Can you believe this story? They're going to lose 130 games, and now they've, they've won seven in a row. All oh, is plus a 150 dog or higher. Yeah. Oh. Well, they won't sweep the Brewers. Well, they won't beat the Rays again. They won't win six in a row. They won't win seven in a row. And here they're plus 250 last night, and what an incredible atmosphere last night with the sell-the-team chance and the reverse boycott. And I'll be honest, I hope they do that for the rest of the year. Yeah. I,
3: because that, it is, it's a lot of fun. I, again, I lived there for a couple of years, and I went to a lot of those games. When they show up and they're good, it's it's awesome. But Glasnow is now as uh-huh. high as minus 290 today in the market. And I can't believe we're, we're saying this. But again, yeah, they're going for the first three games in this series. I had, Paul, when you were gone on Monday... I made the case. I bet the Rays minus two and a half runs. When it was Eflin going against Caprillion, yep. Caprillion's ERA was seven plus on the year. Rays have been the best team in baseball all year long. They couldn't get anything off the
1: guy until the sixth inning. Yep. This is ridiculous what's going on right now. Got the Royals. Royals. Royals now one of the, the worst team in the league. Yeah. After what's happened. So to see this winning streak and, and and the amount of money you're up, you know, no one really does the rollover thing, but what, what they've done here is, is incredible. Uh, with what they've been from underdogs. Well, you know, I mean, Ralph Michaels
3: had that tweet, too. Before the Rays series started, in his database, it goes back almost 50,000 games, all the way to 2004. The A's are the fifth team in nearly 50,000 regular season games to win five straight at at least plus 145. Well, now you can tack on two more games. And oh, by the way, they were humongous dogs in both of those. And now, again, with just... Imagine they sweep the Rays. Yeah, it's not like the Rays were str- they, the Rays just pounded Texas over the weekend, and now they come to Oakland and they can't score runs, and they they're on the verge of or the A's to sweep. I know that I know this. The A's were a thousand to one to have the most wins in June here
1: at Circa. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, right? Now that's a sweat. It's All like, right, it's, it's
3: kind of like that. You got uh, a shot with that. It's kind of like that scene in the Office that we play once in a yeah. while during uh, in pocket yeah. plays. You give me 10,000 to one odds in anything, I'm going to bet it? Uh-huh. Well, you give me 1,000 to one odds in
1: anything, you got to take a peek at it. I never considered thee. Why would you? Yeah. And a- then, the, and then, the, like you said, the Royals have been favored in some of these games. Yeah, that like, How are the Royals favored against the Reds? The Reds are hot. They might win this division with all this young talent that they have. And the Royals, what, 18 or whatever? And they're fake? Come on. And it's I hope, Lyles. I hope the Reds do.
3: Brewers have lost yeah. five straight. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Devin Williams is too good. He never oh, got it. couldn't get it out. Now, now one out last what night? What a joke. Uh, U.S. Open props coming up next. If you think the leaderboard is going to be filled with elite golfers, you can get some pretty juicy prices in the top 10, top 20 markets.
6: This is Follow the Money on vSENG.
3: I cannot wait to see what this U.S. Open is going to look like on TV. The L.A. Country Club, it's in uh, downtown Los, uh, downtown Los Angeles, and I've seen some of the pictures so far. And evidently, from one of the holes, you can see the Playboy Mansion.
1: Thirteenth, I believe.
3: Yeah, yeah thirteenth green. Others are going to be able to see, you know, the skyline in downtown L.A. It's just it's going to look sensational, and you're going to get prime time golf on the weekend and an Open on the West Coast. To me, you can't beat that. Um, it's an incredible tournament, loaded field obviously some of the props that you can bet. I, I'm looking around at uh, top 10 top 20 markets because I'll go over quickly here. Some guys who have and I the US open is a different animal I understand that the different course every single year but some guys who have per, uh, performed extremely well at US open courses. you know about Kepka two firsts a second and two fourths since 2014. he's plus 140 to finish. Top 10. Rory, a fifth, seventh, eighth, two ninths. Since 2015, he's also plus 140. Xander Shafley, a lot of people like him again this this week. He's down to 18 to 1. Well, that's based on a lot of his history uh, at the U.S. Open and that he's been close in a lot of majors in the past. He is a third, two fifths, a sixth, a seventh, 14th last year. That's his last six U.S. Opens. He's plus 180. DJ, uh, five top 10 since 2014. He also had two finishes outside the top 20 in a missed cut, but he's plus 330 that I saw. The the
1: props in golf now to me, Paul, he's one of my favorite sports to bet on. Mm, yep, you're right, because uh, it's going to be at least eight hours of coverage, and then it has uh, all the makings here with this course that has five par threes and five par fives. There are there's a 284 and a 290 par three with seven and 11, and I think it's 11 where in front of the green, it's got like a tongue. Looks like a tongue with all the bunkers. And then they're asking all these guys, how are you going to approach it with some of these holes and what the game plan is going to be. But this, I saw 65 and a half for a prop with the lowest. Who's going to shoot a 64? I can't imagine someone shoots a 64 or a 65.
3: It's going to be very difficult. I've seen some of the videos on uh, the rough Man, if, if your ball has if your, yeah. if your ball lands like a couple of inches away from where it's manageable, you're going to be in the thick stuff by 6 8 inches the way it looks. And from what I from what I've heard from listening and again reading stuff about this course, like if you just happen to miss it right for example in some of these holes, you could go from a really good looking par or a potential birdie to uh-oh, uh you're going to have to avoid a double bogey. Just like that. But that's also the beauty of the US Open and the way that they, you know, design these courses for this event.
1: Mm-hmm. There is this. There's one. So there was one. I think there's one par three that's like 180, 160. It's yeah. one.
3: Yeah. I don't, How about that? And also, you brought up the 290 huh. par three. I don't think they're going to play it from that long the way it sounds. But if they do, imagine, I mean, a 290 yard par three. Yeah. Um, if you think. One of, you know, we're talking the elite of the elite here. You can bet this it's available at DraftKings. Other sports books have it as well. Scheffler Rom Kepka McElroy to win is two to one. The field is minus two eighty. I do think that the leaderboard is going to be littered with elite golf course, uh, elite players and like the best in the world that we're talking about. A hole in one and a playoff, both of those happening, is six to one at DraftKings. The albatross is
1: sixteen to one. Yep. This week. Yeah. You can find no hole in one as high as two dollars. As high as two fifty on the yes. Yep. There's also
3: but, uh, I-, I was betting this a lot during the pandemic. The winner in the final grouping, the yes here for the open is minus two fifty. The no is plus one seventy five. I would like to bet the no on that at plus one seventy five, thinking that it could be absolute chaos on Sunday. And the leaders might have a one one shot lead, and they could fall apart, and then somebody behind them could actually be in the clubhouse and win the thing. But also, I am a little bit afraid of, let's say, Scheffler's up by four strokes going into Sunday, or the the final grouping has a huge lead, and we're talking about Rom and Kepka in the, which I think is absolutely possible, by the way. I think I think the best players in the world are going to be shining this week, and. You're not really going to get a fly in the ointment. You could you could have an outlier, like maybe an Eric Cole type, because he's playing so damn hot right now. Um, but any of these, if you're watching uh-huh. the show, any of these people that you're seeing on the board, I don't, I would not consider an outlier at all. Obviously, if Hatton is there, not going to be surprised. Cam Smith, Hovland's been awesome. The the people betting Max Homa because Very popular. He shot a 61 here when he was in
1: college. Uh huh. Yep, you're right. It has all the makings. Great coverage, primetime golf beautiful course and the course could be the story as it could wreak havoc as well and give these guys problems uh draft the menu's so good but how about this menu that they offer will will these guys play a, at least a bogey free round In the big names even the biggest of the biggest bogey free round round one 14 to 1 16 to 1 with these odds how tough the course is, but if that can happen, so you're you're seeing that on a Scheffler and yeah yeah at a big price at fourteen or so of one, they're able to pull it off. Oh uh, top Irishman Rory minus one sixty, top Scandinavian Hovland minus two dollars. Wow, top senior Phil plus one forty. There's some deep stuff here, and I'm sure uh, Jeff will have a lot of stuff to go over. Well, uh, what he'll like, but the menu is incredible. It is, uh, to my understanding, that.
3: A sharp, better, or sharp groups anyway, have been on Rory this week in various bets. Um, I was talking to, I did Indy Jeff's podcast with him yesterday, and he brought up the one matchup prop that you can bet. And uh, taking a lot, the books have been taking a lot of money on Rory against Kepka. Now, what do you think about that? Because I bet, I put a dime on Kepka plus 115 against Rory. And then it moved, it came down and other spots were a little bit lower than that. And then all of a sudden, all hell broke loose and Rory was back to like minus 150 against him. And now Kepka's plus 130. Actually, I'm thinking about putting more money on him.
1: Yeah. I thought it would go the other way. I thought he would use this as fire and fuel with what happened uh, last week with the news and come out and be pissed off at, at Monaghan and the PGA and, uh, and play well. But then again, it seems he's only played well in majors when he's out of it and makes the run on the weekend. But you know, it's a tough call—the nine-year drought. And not, but then again, how do you go against Kepka with what he during for the eight rounds so far of majors? He's had the lead after five of the eight rounds. What he's done. So with some of these head-to-head matchups, it's uh, it's tough and, and it's hard. To, uh, what you think about Rory and if Rory can put it together for three or four rounds? Like, I mean, I don't
3: know. And again, Rory has played really well at U.S. Opens in the past. I just ran down some of his uh-huh. finishes in previous years. I get it. It's all about betting numbers in these matchups. So if your numbers say that there's a ton of value on Rory minus 130, pros are going to be betting that and evidently hammering that as well. I have to use my brain a little bit here. Like, I absolutely trust Brooks Kepka. Okay. Right? I mean, in major spots like this, I have to. With Rory, I'm not, I'm not really on board with that.
1: Just because every, I, I don't everything that you. you just said, I don't blame you. The guy, uh, the, it's, simply put, he
3: doesn't win enough. By the way, no,
1: come on, yeah, nine years, come on. Uh, the other thing is, do you want to bet on Cantley? Even though it's uh, you know, pick up the pace, let's go here. Cantley's been popular too, uh, as well, and I would think Hovland's going to get some support with what he can do. Love how Hatton closed the, uh, oh, the, you have the tournament, to. the Canadian Open. Wow, what he did on Sunday! Great gra- job
3: when he was finishing like that. I did. I grabbed a little bit of him at fifty to one to win
1: this event. When he was red hot this past Sunday at the RBC Canadian. Yeah. Chime in, guys. The most creative prop you've seen or one that you like. But the menu is, is so good at trapping kids hey, never, Yeah. You sent me a text. Did you originally see Hole in one minus two fifty? Yes.
3: Yes, it's available down the street. crazy. Oh, because Yes but, is minus two fifty. I saw as low as minus one fifty yesterday. Uh, so did I. So as That's always. It's also out there. Wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I think it it. It depends on where they're going to put the pin on one of these. But if, as I understand it, one of these par threes could be like 90 yards. I uh, think one of them. And then I just ran down that you got a 285 and a 290 on yeah. 7 and 11. Did you so, wa- I, I know that you were
3: gone the last couple of days, but did you watch much of the event over the weekend? Sunday was phenomenal. Well, sure. Because I, I
1: had Hubbard and Fleetwood. I had Fairway Jesus. Yeah, so did yeah. I. So did yeah. I. And then, I thought he had it. And then so it was did, inc- he- incredible television, though, what uh, Taylor did. Coming out of nowhere and as high as three hundred to one during the middle of the tournament.
6: And it, DraftKings.
1: The, the previous week, when I'm watching,
3: Scheffler, I'm just thinking to myself, if this guy can somehow find the putter, oh, forget it. I, I don't even think yeah. it's close. I know, not fair. Yep. Yeah. hard. All right. to, yeah. All right. So this show is called Follow the Money, and it's on the DraftKings Network. Plenty more coming up today, including Gojo, Dan Lambertard, and Ross Tucker, and here at Veasan, Paulie, and I work with the uh, sharpest betting experts in the business. You can check out all of our best analysis at the website, which is vcin.com and follow the money has two more hours coming up here on vcin. And after the break, one of those sharp uh, experts is going to join the show. That is golf handicapper and longtime friend of the show, Jeff Seeley. Now I I did his podcast yesterday. We talked to a player on tour who was awesome. Eric Barnes. Uh, We'll talk about this course, more of the information that you need to know for this weekend. Uh, in Los Angeles, starting tomorrow. The winning score prop, that very popular matchup between Kepka and Rory, and Jeff's outrights all coming up next here on VSIN.
5: Zumo play. You always follow the, follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah,
6: yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSIN.
3: Welcome back. It is Follow the Money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Mitch Moss, along with Paulie Howard, here on a Wednesday morning. We are live in downtown Las Vegas from the Circa Resort and Casino. Uh, you're home now of the 2023 Stanley Cup champion Las Vegas Golden Knights. We talked a lot about that in the first hour of the show. Another great event is beginning tomorrow. Again, I can't wait to watch this entire thing. It's the U.S. Open. I love it every single year. I like to see the best golfers in the world struggle a little bit. I don't want to see 24 under. I want to see like around even par, two, three, four, maybe 7, 8 under tops win this event. It usually happens here at the U.S. Open, and uh, our good buddy and uh, golf handicapper extraordinaire Jeff Seely joins the program now. You can get his podcast; it's the CutMaker podcast, and the website is cutmaker.com, cutmakerpod.com. Uh, check out—you're going to get all the plays there that he uh, that he does. It's available at iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I did your podcast yesterday, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. And uh, we were joined by PGA Tour Eric Barnes. Somehow he he wanted to come on your podcast. That's awesome, dude. That guy was phenomenal, some of the sound bites that he gave us yesterday on the podcast.
7: He, he was fantastic. And it's and it just, he happens to be from Indiana. We have a mutual friend. And so, um, yeah, he came on. And you're right, he was phenomenal. Especially talking to a guy who just played the U.S. Open last year, right? Unfortunately, he had a knee injury, got actually kind of similar to Kepka's, and he had to... Uh, to get, have surgery here in late March, he's on the mend, and hopefully he'll be back here um, early 24. But man, the conversation was great, especially when it comes to you know what it takes to survive in the U.S. Open, what's the rough like in the U.S. Open. So I thought it it you know gave a first kind of firsthand account of of kind of what we can expect this week, and I'm, that's what's going to make it that much more fun.
3: Yeah, let's get into that here now with with the course in general before we get into your bets. And you're going to be on here for two full segments to begin this hour. We'll run down everything that you like the outrights matchups some top 20s here other stuff as well um the rough this week and based on what eric was telling us yesterday on your podcast but also like the video um or the videos that we have watched from this uh, event so far i mean it's not going to be easy here right i mean if you miss it by a couple of inches you could really be in for a really difficult hole yeah
7: there's no question i mean i it's there's no question i mean you're going to you look you're and you're gonna miss the rough some you're excuse me you're gonna miss the fairway some, yes right? you are yep you're gonna, you're gonna be in the rough and so you know it's just like eric said a lot of times you've got you're well, if you're in the rough you're praying for a par maybe hoping for a bogey just trying to avoid double which is what makes your short game so important here because a lot of times you're just kind to hack it out of the rough now you're in front of the green what can you get up and down and that is a huge part of the handicap this week i think guys is is guys who can get up and down, um, it, it's going to be critical. It always is. And, and and you said it. You know, we're not going to see a 20 under this week. We're, I think we're going to see somewhere in the you know seven to ten range. Um, so yeah, but but again, getting up and down is going to be critical. And this course is very very unique in in a lot of different ways.
3: Yeah. So based on that, that how would you what what numbers have you seen for the winning score? And uh, is there anything that's maybe worth a bet in that market in your opinion?
7: I mean, I've seen I've seen over under seven uh, seven and a half under. I mean, I, I think you know we could probably be seeing eight or so. Um, but I don't you know eight nine. I I would I would go lower. So I, I like lower than seven and a half. I think we could see an eight or nine because again there are birdies out here. You can make birdies here. Um, but it's just you can also make doubles. So I think it's going to be who grinds it out, who who takes the most of advantage of their birdie opportunities. Um, so I, I like lower than seven and a half. That's the last prop I saw.
3: Now, Jeff, I do like you can't be surprised at all if you get a long shot or two or maybe multiple, right? Three, four, five guys eventually that are looking on the leaderboard, maybe to go top twenty. But for the most part, are you pretty convinced that the leaderboard over the course of four days is going to play out where you're going to see like the elite of the elite at the very top?
6: Yeah, it
7: it, it usually does, right? It, it usually does. There are exceptions, and you know, Aaron Hills when. Kept him won his first U.S. Open is a good example of that that played a lot easier than the traditional U.S. Open. And so you had guys like Brian Harmon right there in the hunt, which you normally aren't going to see at a U.S. Open. But yeah, um, but the, the interesting thing is though, Mitch, is there are some guys further down the board, your Mito Pereira, the other guys, I guess some guys we'll talk about, who are really high quality golfers who have won big tournaments before. So you can get guys who have won majors, who have won players at eighty to one if they're in the conversation on sunday some of those guys wouldn't shock me
3: okay so with these par 3s and how long they can actually play um they're rated at like 285 yards 290 yards there i think is a 230 yard par 3 potentially how, how long do you think those par 3s are actually going to play it's not like i heard a lot of people say they're probably not going to play at 290 do you agree with that
7: yeah, I, I do, but I mean, I don't think 270, 280 is out of the question, okay. right? And, and then the short one, they can play as short as like 75, 80 yards. So, I mean, and there's, you know, and there's five of them. It's just, it's really unique. There's only three par five. there's five par threes, and they range from like, call it 75 yards to 280 yards. And I mean, how hard is it to freaking play a 280 yard par, par three? Like, you're hitting a three wood. Hoping to hoping to hold the green. If the green's firm and fast, you got no shot. Right. You basically just got to try to lay up. I mean, imagine laying up on a par three. Like it's <laughs> it's, just, it, it's it really like it changes it changes the way you look at everything. And yeah, no, I think it's going to make for really interesting play. I mean, you know, obviously the par fives, so you got to take advantage. You got to you got to uh, score when you can. I was looking at an interview with Kepka yesterday, and he was saying. He was saying how there's some blind shots. No, he's really talking about number six. But um, how he doesn't like blind shots. Blah blah blah. But that um, and that the sand is like super super powdery, super soft and fluffy. So if it goes in one of these fairway bunkers, it's not going to sit up. Like it's going to get down. You're going to be kind of buried in the sand. So you really got to try to avoid the bunkers. Uh, I'm actually going to tweak my model a little bit and maybe adjust sand saves a little bit because I think the sand being that. <laughs> and th- that type that soft that fluffy being able to get out of sand is going to be mission critical this week all
3: right jeff let's talk about your boy here bk you brought him up and it's followed the money here on v the sports betting network our guest jeff Seely, he's on twitter at cupmaker jeff and again it's the cupmaker podcast that you can listen to every single week uh i said in the previous hour i bet kepka uh i have a dime on him in a matchup against rory McElroy. i grabbed plus 115 it moved a little bit in my direction after that but then evidently sharp better is just all over McElroy this week. And so they have driven him up to minus 150, and now Kepka's 130. We all know, listening to your appearances now on this show for the last three or four years, how big of a Kepka guy you are. But I, I don't, here's what I don't understand. People were anti Kepka at the masters. I kind of get that, right? Because, uh, you know, the live stuff and we, it's like he was hurt and you know, what, what's he going to perform like? Then he's, you know, he finished the second is in the mix. I heard the same exact thing in the PGA anti Kepka. He's not going to win this event. Guy was phenomenal. He took it down. I'm hearing the same exact thing this week. Why are so many people anti Kepka yet again?
7: I think, and, and again, you, we, we talked about this with Eric Barnes yesterday, right? It was, it's very much like what it, he he hasn't played a lot of golf lately, and some people have to play golf to be ready to play golf. And Eric said himself, he's like he needs two or three weeks to get into the rhythm, and his third week he's ready to contend. Mm-hmm. He's really ready to go. Brooks Kepka doesn't need that. And he's proven it time and time again. He's coming in fresh. He's coming in relaxed. He's not mentally weary. He doesn't have to worry about the heat or the, or the Panthers anymore. Right. That's it. That's, that, they're dead. Now he can focus on <laughs> golf and just playing and relax. I mean, I am. And look, cause all over social media, all you see is tweets The pictures of him at the heat game or partying here, here, you know, he's just enjoying life. Great. But he's going to show up to the U.S. Open. He's going to get down to business. And guys, Rory McIlroy hasn't won a major in freaking nine years. Bingo. All of a sudden, we're all over Rory McIlroy against a guy who's clearly healthy and is the greatest majors winner since Tiger Woods. There's, in the post-Tiger era, pure, plain and simple. Strokes gained in the last uh, six years in majors. Brooks Koepka, by a mile, it's not remotely close. Mm-hmm. I don't get it, but but I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it.
3: All right. So then you are betting him. You're absolutely betting him in that matchup against Rory. I have. I got I have a dime on it too. Okay. Uh did you bet him in the outrights or are you doing something are you doing top ten, top twenty? How many bets are you going to have on Kepka this week?
7: Well, I, I've got I have been betting on him. I bet him on him in the twenty. I bet him okay. 20, and eighteen. So I've got him twenty aver average twenty. You know, I I honestly got I'm drafting is right now. You can only get fifty bucks on it, but you can put fifty bucks, get a, a three point boost, you can get him at fifteen. I don't hate that. So uh, if you miss the vote on Kepka, you can play on DraftKings, use your boost, get him up to 15 and make that bet. I think that's worth making.
3: Okay. I can't blame you. I mean, I, you, you've been beating the drum for Kepka again for a long time. And I mean, it makes sense. I mean, he just, he goes out there and uh, here's my example. After the PGA, the guys partying every single night going to these games. I loved Cam Smith in a matchup against him in the live tour uh, that <laughs> next yeah. week. The guy, the guy lost <laughs> by one stroke. I know.
7: I know. That's that, that's just it, Miss. You, you, you imagine he goes on this vendor post PGA vendor and shows up and and barely, I mean I was the same way. I'm like I'm full fade on Kevka the next live tournament. His his form is just ridiculous, and I think I, I really don't think he's like I think he's mentally crushed. I think he's having fun. He's enjoying golf and going out and winning majors. I, and I can't imagine taking Rory over him. It just Look, Rory's very talented, but the mental tax on Rory right now, Rory trying to go out and win the U.S. Open after failing again and again and again, hell, he can't close out the Canadian Open.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the shortest shot in the board entering Sunday. <laughs> Absolutely. And look, he, he goes hey, out there and shoots.
7: He a down CT freaking
3: pan. Yes. He couldn't do that. No, even par. Guy goes out there and gives yeah. us an even par when everybody else is blowing the, the you know the tournament away. So, Right. Um, anyway, hang tight. You're going to stick around for one more segment here. Kepka, obviously you were betting him again in previous weeks we'll get other outrights that any jeff seeley likes next uh another guy who is awesome he's in great current form he's going to go to war with him and we'll get some of his bombs coming up uh we'll get some of his matchups that he likes and maybe from a fantasy standpoint too this week how to approach because jeff is huge betting fantasy golf it's all coming up here on follow the money it's visa the sports betting network
5: you always follow yeah, the money.
6: Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Pauly Howard on VSN.
3: Welcome back. It is Follow the Money here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. Mitch Moss along with Pauly Howard. We are live in downtown Las Vegas from the Circa Resort and Casino. So now the NHL season is in the books. The NBA season is in the books. We can turn our attention to upcoming drafts that we have for both of those sports. And uh, Luke Swain joins the program now, does a great job tracking every draft all year long. And he is on Twitter at Vegas refund. Luke, it's good to talk to you again. How you been?
6: Good. Thanks for having me.
3: Yeah. Let's, let's start here. Uh, If you rewind a year ago, it was absolutely bonkers. What eventually took place with the first pick overall in the NBA draft and Paulo Banquero eventually landed there and the draft day shenanigans that, that took place with Woj's tweet Um, you know, that it was going to be Jabari Smith and then he completely dictated what took place in the market. And then Bancaro still went number one overall. You're not going to get that with the first pick overall, obviously, this year. Wemben Yam is going to go number one to the Spurs. Is there anything that could come close beyond that to match last year?
6: I mean, I guess technically like the whole Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson uh, for pick number two could theoretically match that, which, I mean, nothing would surprise me at this point after last year's NBA draft. And then really kind of Bryce Young and CJ Stroud flip-flopping with the chaos of the NFL Draft not too long ago. Um, But it does feel like Scoot was like the sexy star that everyone loved. And then as the last couple of months leading up to the draft where Brandon Miller was nine to one to go number two, I wanna say at the end of March Madness, um, he started to get traction and reports started to come out that teams favored Miller over Scootin it does feel like it's becoming somewhat of a consensus, but like nothing would shock me at this point. Um, where like everyone was wrong on the MA draft last year, so um, and then there's a bunch of trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's definitely chaos that could happen that could flip it on its head easily.
1: Uh, so that would be New Orleans, who wants Henderson, and they could trade up to get him at two or three. Uh, who else could uh, could uh, lead to that chaos as you talked about?
6: Yeah, it would be. I think they're the favorite to create that case. And then honestly, like maybe we're just wrong on uh, who the teams at two and three like between Portland and New Orleans. Uh, but I would say like the reports right now, whether it's Waz, sham, Wayne horse, um, those three guys are really pumping the trade into the two and three spot um, or scoot specifically like hard. Uh, so, at least it won't be a draft day trade, um, but they're saying it's for Scoot, which would mess everything up if he it is for the number two pick.
3: Yeah. So yep. okay. But by the way, what with the Pelicans, I'm seeing like there's conversation going on about maybe that team trading Zion. Um, would, <laughs> would that be would that be the move there for him to go and then they'd be picking at number two overall? That'd be the swap, or what else? Who other player? What other players are you hearing?
6: Zion is the the name that keeps coming up. Windhorse brought him up yesterday who I don't think I can think of a player with a higher ceiling that has like no value to the name, um, relatively speaking to what we perceive him at mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. Um, Brandon Ingram is another name I keep seeing, but Zion is definitely the pick. Um, I don't know like the financials behind it, uh, but Winhorse was pumping Zion yesterday to Portland and then Brandon Ingram um, is another name I keep saying Um Potentially being involved.
3: Okay, so I'm currently looking at the uh, overall pick market, the pick number at DraftKings. They have the second uh, pick on the board off right now, but you can pick, you can you know bet on who's going to go first overall, third overall. Your approach here then would be if you think that somehow, some way, Miller doesn't go two, and a team maybe trades up, and Scoot's going to land at number two overall, then maybe look at Miller to go number three overall in this scenario? Because that's that's the order, right? It's Wemben, Yama, and then a combination of Miller and Scoot somehow t- uh, two and three.
6: Yeah, and I don't think I could recommend the, any of the... the uh, honestly, I think the better bets are just laying Miller to go two and Scoot to go three at this point. Um, I know it's not fun, but they've really priced um, the value out of these where, like, Hoping for a trade for Scoot to go to um, where all the reports we're seeing is if there is a trade, it's most realistically um, for three. Uh, but yeah, if you think Scoot goes to taking Brandon Miller three would be um, automatic.
3: Well, let me run this by you. And it's uh, follow the money here on Visa the Sports Betting Network. Our, our guest is Luke Swain. He's on Twitter at Vegas Refund. He follows this stuff uh, religiously every single year, the, the every draft that we have and, and bets on this. So the top three picks in the exact order of DraftKings right now, Wembenyama, Miller, Henderson. That's what you can bet is minus 230. I think I heard you say this on a podcast a couple months ago regarding the NFL draft. Like if you have the information, laying $9 is basically the same thing as even money or two to one, right? I mean, you can just, if you have the information and you know what's going to happen, then lay 230. But are we at that point yet where there's enough information to actually make you want to lay 230 and something like that?
6: I would say we're not at the at that point, but yeah, I fully agree. We're like minus two hundred. If you have the information, might as well be minus infinity. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, where minus minus two hundred in the draft isn't equal to a minus two hundred in an actual game. Um, but I don't think we're at the point. I think we have. I think we have enough information that we're getting close. Like we're on the right track to have that certainty. But just purely, maybe it's like recency bias off of the NFL draft. And then the NBA draft last year. Uh, but I, I just, I don't think, especially with how Miller was 9-1 to one a month ago. Um, I don't think we're there yet, but we're getting close. But the exact order is minus two minus 215 on DraftKings. And then Miller to go, or Scoot to go third is minus 185. So the better bet is just to take Scoot to go three in okay. that exact order.
1: Can you share some of the bets you made and what you've tweeted out in the last couple of weeks?
6: Yeah. Um, I've taken a bunch of over-unders. There are a couple matchups I do like that are still available. Okay. Um, a lot of the over-unders numbers I haven't are probably relatively gone. I did put out Jordan Hawkins over 14 and a half yesterday, which that actually, like, I think it's still, uh, a fair price where it's for, it still is 14 and a half minus 180 on the over. And he's a name brand. I think, everyone recognizes in this draft, especially with how March Madness just um, ended where he was one of the stars for the UConn team. And when you look at the big boards, he is, and in the NBA draft, that's a big difference where big boards are more important because it's a positionless league, but he is way far down when you look at the guys that matter like Wasserman, Vicini, Givany um, and then the mock drafts have him like trending towards like the 17 range where I really do think the name brand to him him at the 14 and a half and then if the Pelicans trade up to the top three spot um, they have pick 14 so that would be probably biggest out for him just being eliminated
3: okay anything else that you like in terms of uh, who's gonna be drafted first the Thompson uh, brothers uh, amen is a minus 220 a uh, sewers plus 175 they have like five or six on the board Uh, Keonti, George is minus 145 against Jordan Hawkins. I think you also have a bet on on George to go over. Wasn't it like 13 and a half?
6: Yes, which now it's, I think it still is 13 and a half, but it's juiced. Um, The one matchup I do like, I still like um, Walker to go ahead of uh, Bossier Thompson, um, which Walker's plus 140. And that is one where his range is really like picks five to seven. And then Walker's the guy that I can see falling out of the top 10. Um, so if a guy like Cam Whitmore goes pick four, which is trending somewhat towards that direction, Cam Whitmore, who is a consensus top five pick, mm-hmm. going four opens up pick five, which is where Walker would go. Um, and then there are another other scenarios as well where Walker could go six, but it is really Walker's like a, going five or he's probably going seven. In Oster, like, it's anyone's guess, um, really, where he could go. He could go six. He could go ten. So at plus 140, I think there's value there. And then Gigi Jackson over, oh, man, I'm going to butcher so many names, Ryan Rupert, that is another one I think has value where Gigi Jackson's plus money, and he's a guy who, his stock was high going into the draft, then he kind of tanks some workouts. Uh, But Rupert's an international Mm -hmm. player that really has no like momentum whatsoever, um, and this price is kind of just based off of Gigi Jackson not doing so well on workouts, and I think that's gonna fizzle out, and he's still gonna go higher than I think the perceived perception is at this time, and Rupert might not even go in the first.
3: Let me let me run this by you, and we have like 90 seconds here. For those who missed out on Cam Whitmore under five and a half, because that's priced now at minus three dollars, he's plus 150 to go fourth, plus 120 to go fifth. What would your advice be to a you know to attack? his markets
6: i think taking both of those where i think the his under five and a half right now is minus 300 yep. which i think if you take him to go fourth and you take him to go fifth i think that actually brings the price down to like i think below. I'm, I'm not a huge math guy but <laughs> below 200 a little bit mm-hmm. um but i think if i was to pick between the fourth and the fifth it would probably be fifth uh, but I think taking both of them is totally fair. Okay, um, and I don't see him getting past there.
3: So he's gonna he's gonna go in the top five. Yeah, yeah, and Asaur Thompson could be the biggest dropper, like in the top ten.
6: That I think the Twins in general, but yeah, oh. Asaur Thompson is the guy that uh, his range is definitely the most volatile.
3: Very cool. Uh, you can follow Luke on Twitter. He is at Vegas refund. He does a great job tweeting out. By the way. Uh, what he's going to be betting on the NBA draft and the NHL draft as well. Luke, thanks for the time today. We appreciate that. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, that that Whitmore stuff, under five and a half was plus money at some point. Now it's minus $3. But he he pointed out a couple of uh, plus money bets right now that are available that uh, he would take a peek at for sure. What's the Zion
1: trade? Would you give him straight up for the number two pick? Oh my God. I would have traded him years ago. This is before the porn star stuff. And the, I mean, he's never on a court. No, ever. He's never, what's he played, 60 games in his career? It's
3: really incredible. We'll recap last night's betting action, all the big prices that got there in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final next with win some, lose some.
4: Zumo Play.